Well, welcome to the Sacred and Small podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jason Hill. And I am another Jason, Jason Buckwalter. That's not going to be confusing at all, is it? Not at all. Yeah, I, actually, I was thinking about that, and I think I think what we should suggest to our 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 listeners, as few as they might be, if you hear something brilliant, just remember, Jason, Jason said it. Jason said it, and that's probably going to be me. But but just so you know, um, yeah, Jason, Jason said it. But this is the Sacred and Small podcast conversations in small church uh, liturgy and mission. We are both small church pastors in the. Uh, beautiful uh, and small state of Missouri. Uh, we are all uh, also both um, doctoral students. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, Church of the Nazarene ordained elders. So Jason, Jason, we'll start with you. Um, tell us about yourself, your context, your program, you know, what baseball team you root for? <laughs> we better get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, this is a, by the way, listeners. This is going to be a huge controversy between us because uh, I am a huge Cardinals fan. I write about the Cardinals, and Jason Buckwalter pretends to be a Phillies fan, even though he lives in Missouri and goes to Cardinals games. Explain that one to me. I I can't. I I just can't. Well, see, growing up in in Southeast Pennsylvania. I mean, there are just certain things that are important. Um, and doesn't Paul, doesn't, doesn't Paul say something about leaving your childish ways well, behind, though? I, I think I remember that in the Bible. Well, <laughs> I'm sure talking about baseball. <laughs> I'm embracing certain aspects of my childhood. Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from uh, southeast Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Amish and Mennonite people. Those are my, uh, my relatives. I'm sure that'll come up at some point, too, because I think I've been shaped by uh, Anabaptist theology in a lot of different ways, but, um, somehow I found my way to the middle of the United States, uh, in Missouri, spent a lot of time in St. Louis, about 10 years where the city of St. Louis brainwashed my children into becoming Cardinal fans. It's part of the law. It's part of the law. I am regaining them though. Uh, my middle child, uh, who would always boo whenever I'd watch the, the Phillies or listen to them on radio or whatever, uh, has recently said, I will cheer for the Phillies as long as they're not playing for the Cardinals. So in my book, that is a complete win. Uh, I think it's a little easier now that we're in the middle of Missouri. We're in Fulton, which is like the definition of flyover country. Right. Um, right. It's just, it's, you have to want to come here or you get lost going between St. Louis and Kansas City. Right. It's a great little town, though. It's about 12,000 people. Um, a lot of churches for for the size, but, um, our church is about 30 ish years old and I am the third pastor of it. And, uh, I I really like it here. It's a good place. And the church is great too. Yeah. And this is kind of where some of our contrast and we might share a name, but there's, there's a lot about our situations and things that, that are diverse. And I think will enable us to bring some unique sort of, you know, aspects to this conversation. Um, I grew up also in, in Missouri, grew up as a Cardinals fan, not that that's really relevant to our discussion today, but um, now pastoring uh, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Cape Girardeau Church of the Nazarene, uh, a church that has been here since the 1930s, 
Um, and I'm not, I'm not the third pastor of the church. I think at one point <laughs> the, the pastor had three or the church had three pastors in the span of like three years back at this very beginning. But, um, but I've been here, you've been there for about two or three years, you said? Uh, it'll be three years in December. Three years in December. Yeah. I'm going on year 11 here uh, in Cape Girardeau. Also a fairly small town, a little larger. Cape, uh, Cape is, um, the current population of Cape is probably around 35,000. And then we have a metro area that's a little bit larger. There's Jackson, Missouri, and Fruitland, and Scott City, and you don't care about the geography. But, um, but you know, probably about 100,000 in our uh, immediate vicinity. But it, it definitely feels like a rural uh, small town environment. Um, and we're, we're about an hour and a half outside of, of St. Louis, which is the biggest metropolitan area in the U.S. You're probably about two hours away from. Yeah. We're, we're, um, depending on where you want to go in St. Louis, we're about an hour and a half less. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Fulton's West, in case you don't Missouri, Fulton's West of St. Louis, Cape Girardeau, South of Missouri. And we're on the same district on the church of the Nazarene. And we've been friends for several years. Actually, what we're doing today is, is the type of conversation we've been having for a long time, sort of personally and with other pastors on our district. And it seemed like a good time and, and the right opportunity for us to, to kind of take this public. Um, and, and one thing that I'll say is, is that we are very serious about this being a conversation. And, and I think this has always been the way it's been between you and I, Jason, is that, is that being pastors in, well, when you were in an urban environment and now in a rural environment, there's a lot of isolation in there. And it really, I, I think, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, I think it really helps to have people that you know you can talk to and engage with and, and converse with, not to be told what to do. We are not here in any way to tell you what you need to do. We're not experts on this. We are absolutely fellow strugglers with you in small church, small town environments. And uh, so, we, yeah, we just want to invite you to be a part of our conversation today. Yeah, I, and I don't know how many times that uh, I've had a problem or something and wanted to work through something and just have, you know, verbal diarrhea all over the computer screen. There's and, a visual. Can we get yeah. that up on the screen? Let's. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're like, man, I don't know what to tell you. And, and like, I think it's it's gone both ways. And so yeah. I think. I think that that'll probably come out in some of these conversations where, you know, we're working through we're stuff in, in ministry and it, it may be that, you know, some of you uh, have dealt with similar things. And, and uh, so we're hoping to not only, you know, have a rich conversation with each other, but uh, to involve you in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole, the whole purpose, right. We are calling this sacred and small conversations. We dealt with that part of it. Conversations in liturgy, and in mission. And, and we're starting, and we felt like this was very important for us to do. We're starting with that term, sacred, right? Why, Jason, are we starting with that term, sacred? Well, it's because it's the, it's the work of God. It, it, is, it is the work of the church. It's sacred. All of, well, I kind of think all of it's sacred, um, but specifically the, the work that we engage in in preaching the word and administering sacraments and, um, you know, prayer for healing and, and comfort and all those kinds of things, um, gathering together to examine the scriptures. All of that is, is sacred work that we partake in uh, together. And so uh, if we don't have that aspect of it, a good handle on that, I don't think anything else falls in line uh, after that. Right. And, and it seems to me, and I could be wrong, and I'm certainly not, you know, talking about anything specific, 
But it seems to me in a lot of these conversations on YouTube, on, on podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or wherever, we, we quickly go in the church to the practical. How do I do this? What's a technique that I could have to get this done? I've got uh, a task I have to accomplish. I need the right tool. I need an expert that can tell me how to do this. And we, we, we kind of replace, I think, the sacredness of what we're doing with the practicality of needing to get it, to get it done. Yeah. And while we, it seems like we're going to deal with a lot of practical things here, but our, our intention is to address them first and foremost from that position of sacredness, that the work we are doing in the church is really a reflection of, of the mission of God, the liturgy that we've been called to as the work of people in response to the, the nature and character and the activity of God uh, around us, both in our, in our congregations, in our context, and in the greater part of his kingdom in our communities. Yeah. One of the things I think that was so important for me especially as a, as a young pastor, was um, Eugene Peterson, actually. And I think in the, in the midst of the pressing nature of all those practical things, uh, he gave me permission to really reconnect with the sacred side of things. Right. And to, to just kind of soak and live in that and be, uh, be filled by it, to be energized by it. Um, yeah. So I, I, think, I think all he said was great. And I, I think that for me, at least personally, like Eugene Peterson has been huge. In, yeah. Yeah. In Cause that. I, I don't know about you, Jason, but I, my age, I'm 42. I had to think about that. And when you get to this point, you have to, <laughs> you have to think about it. Right. Um, I was, I was educated. My, my, my theological education was probably at the peak of the church growth movement. Right. And sacredness was a, a part of it, but let's be honest. It was, you know, it was about you need to do these five or six things in order for you to have a healthy growing church. And if your church doesn't, isn't healthy and isn't growing and doesn't have these five or six things, then sacredness doesn't matter because you're not, you're not going to be growing as a church. And that's all that matters. Well, and, and even to the point of you've got to tone back your sacredness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or else you're going to alienate. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, boy, we, that was the heart of what we were learning um, there. We, one of the First things we did, we uh, part of a church plan in Tulsa, Oklahoma, before I came here, one of the first things that me and the pastor did was we went up to Bill Hybels Church in Willow Creek in Chicago to learn how to be seeker sensitive, to basically learn how to be less sacred and more, you know, um, I don't want to say secular, but consumeristic. You mean consumeristic? Yeah, those, but those weren't even terms. We're, we weren't even using the term. I mean, people were, but we weren't even using the term consumeristic or materialistic or missional on the other side. That wasn't even a term that we were using uh, at that point, at least in, in the early part of my education. And now it's uh, fairly mainstream, fairly, fairly commonly uh, uh, used. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I'm a little younger than you. I'm only 38. Although last year I spent all year thinking I was 38 and I was only 37. So I, I don't know where I'm going to be when <laughs> I'm your that's age. That's the way this uh, works, man. It's, it's only going to go, 40, it's go just downhill like, from there. Yeah, right. Um, I think I grew up in a context in, in a church that was largely that way. And uh, I reacted against it. And I was always had this hunger for something deeper and more for that sacredness uh, in church. And I was really blessed to be able to find that through my, through my education and my like internships at at college in college. So for me, for me, what moved me was, was, was ministering to people directly. Like, like I was taught some way sort of in a, in an environment in seminary. And I was practicing that because I was involved in a church plan at the time, 
but then it was really digging down into people's lives and, and considering what the great commission is to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. That's one part, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit, the Trinity, right. Um, and, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded that, I mean, you know, when we were, especially when I was involved so much in, in small group ministry and writing curriculum and doing things like that, um, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded wasn't, you know, we were just hoping that they would watch the video and answer a few questions and maybe sort of make sure they attended church the next week, you know, shut the back door sort of concept. But as I, as interacting with people and sort of realizing the relational nature of authentic discipleship and the way Jesus related to his, his own disciples, um, that, that really changed my, my understanding. And so I sort of flowed into compassionate ministry and from there into a church that's, that's centered around the ideas of, relational discipleship or relational compassionate ministry and intentional discipleship. So I don't know. There's my, there's a little bit about my journey in a nutshell. We'll talk about our own context more. I think people will be interested in hearing our stories and also how these things have played out within, you know, the context of our own communities, because your, your environment, as we've learned, right. In these conversations, your environment in Fulton and my environment in Cape Girardeau, even though they're similar sized towns, similar sized communities in a similar part of the country could not be more different. It's, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. 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 Sacred Sacred. and small. We'll get to that conversations. We talked about that in liturgy and mission. Yeah. And it seems like that word liturgy, that's one that we've dealt with a lot. And especially me, I, it's become part of my doctoral studies. It would have made me nervous back in that little guy a few years ago that was being educated in church girl stuff. The idea of liturgy, and I would immediately say, oh, Catholic, you guys must be Catholic. Or maybe you're Anglican, maybe Anglican. But that's that's not what we mean at all, is it? No, no. Uh, you know, lit- liturgy is, is so much more than than just smells and bells, right? Um, <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> as, as, as they might be like to say, but it's, um, well, I mean, we've outlined like two different ways to talk about this. So corporate liturgies are church services, those kind of more formal things, wedding and funerals, and individual liturgies, which are our individual practices and habits um, that we do in response to what God has already done uh, for us, in us, and hopefully through us. Right, because I think, and I, I just... I want to make sure that this is clear because if, since it was a new term to me, I've tried to be very precise in defining it. Liturgy is literally, literally means the work of the people yeah. as opposed to the work of God, right? The work God, God is living and active, right? He's involved in this world. He's resurrected and ascended. He is Lord. Jesus is right. And so he, his kingdom is right. It, it is everywhere. It is all things. Everything is sacred, as we talked about before. So mm-hmm. our response then is what we would call liturgy, the work of the people in response to the character and nature of of God. And so whether you're whether you're a high church, an Anglican church, a Catholic church, a Lutheran church, and and you have a very specific liturgy that you follow out of the Book of the Common Prayer or or some other you know dictated thing, or whether you're you know, sort of a free-flowing, charismatic, Pentecostal church that does everything by the flow of the Spirit. You, you actually have a liturgy that, that you are engaging with and enacting in response to who God is on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and for anybody who's not familiar with the Church of the Nazarene, so we're in a Wesleyan right. holiness tradition. Um, we come out of a Methodist church, but a very much uh, low church in 
well, not all not all Nazarene churches are the same. There's some uh, diversity. The Via Media, yeah. you know, there, there's some diversity in our yeah. in our expression of liturgy. <laughs> right. But, but by and large, um, not very liturgical in no. a way. A lot of our, our roots are in you know tent meeting revivals is, yeah. is really where we where we derive from. This is probably another conversation, but I think we're way more American American revivalism than we are Wesleyan holiness. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so James K. Smith has some really great work on on liturgies and um, talks about things like uh, the mall as a you know, there's liturgies when you go to the mall or specifically you know, sports arenas. And if you've ever been to Cardinals opening day, have yeah. you ever been to Cardinals? I haven't, I haven't. You haven't no. been? Oh, I, I, haven't. I, like, I like my money in my bank account. <laughs> well, I was, I was I when we were in St. Louis to, to have someone be like, hey, you want to come to opening day? And I'm, yeah. like, I'm just, I'm a fan of baseball. And it's not quite baseball heaven, but um, on opening day, it's pretty close. Ooh. And uh, I know that's heresy. It, it is, uh, yes. But just the, the there's things, I, I've gone to like, couple two or three and there's definitely a liturgy and you know what's yeah. going to happen you know exactly you know, what's like going. when to stand when to sit when to cheer when not to cheer who to cheer who's going to play you, you know when those Clydesdales come out it's going to be that song and if I start humming it I'm just going to be in my my head for days yeah right stop <laughs> but uh, it, yeah it's it, that's why uh, if we are responding to the work that God has already done that's why liturgy has to be both corporate and individual I think right because our our own prayer life, our own study of the scripture, our own honestly, just even the work that we do on a daily basis in our actual jobs that that is part of our individual liturgy in the sense, well, especially our prayers and things. That's pretty obvious. But our work could be could be a little because it can be done in response to the character and nature of God. Now, now for us as pastors who, who maybe have full-time pastors, and I realize not all of our listeners might, I bet a lot of you are probably bi- bivocational, which is becoming increasingly common amongst small town, small church situations that we're largely talking about. Um, but, but even working in a secular environment, that can be done as, as a liturgy yeah. in response to who God is. I do this in faithfulness and in, in, in worship. Yeah. And, and I think that just takes just a, a little bit of intentionality, you know, yeah. um, and for people to understand that and to know like, okay, I'm going to the factory and uh, we've got a dollar general distribution center in town. It's a big, big employer. Like I'm, I'm going down there to work and I'm going to throw boxes in a truck uh, and I'm going to be uh, the presence of Christ among the other guys that I'm working with. Um, and my work ethic is going to be part of my, my liturgy, my individual liturgy, my, my response to um, the gift of, of being able to work and being, yeah. So. Yeah. And that's where mission comes in, right? I mean, this, this flow, there's almost no, dis- if, if I, I feel like if we, if we, you and I, and then our listeners as well, but if we can get this, it would make a huge difference in the way that we, we view, well, let's just say the sacredness of, of everything, right? the sacredness yeah. of God's kingdom, because, because that work that we are doing in response to the character and nature of God, that is mission. Yeah. That's, that's almost the very definition of mission. I think about, I think it's Alan Hirsch probably who, who says that God has a mission and that mission has a church, right? 
And yeah. so, and we are that church. We're simply, we're, we're engaging with God. We're learning about God. We're discovering God continually in the flow of his grace through the spirit. We respond in, in accordance with that. Uh, and that, you know, naturally would be a response in, in agreement with or in coordination with the mission that God has to the world. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to, to stress too, that it's, um, it's always a learning activity. Like we're, we're yeah. every day for pastors and lay people for sure too. Um, we're learning what it is. We're learning to recognize what God is already doing in the areas we are. Right. And so then, then we've got to ask questions like, where is God working already? Where's God's mission already advancing? And then the second question is how is I, how can I participate in that uh, with intentionality and, and to, Right. Move mission forward. As pastors in our offices or out in our community, as, as bivocational pastors who are working a secular job, um, as citizens in a community, as parents, um, as whatever it is, God, God's there. There's certain activities we can do in response, and, and there's a mission. There's a mission there. I, I, do we have to clarify, maybe we, maybe we should briefly, that there's a difference between mission and missions, isn't there? Well, I think, I think especially in our denomination, yeah, uh, you know, we have little ladies that love overseas missions, right? And and they they that's what they live and breathe. And not, not that, that, not that there's anything it, wrong with overseas missions, for, right? 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 And that's not that it's not God's mission in the world to go to to Mexico to to help build something, um, but that's not exactly what we're talking. I guess missions with an S is a subset of mission, right? Right. And something you struck me uh, or something you said struck me um, about being learners. And here we are 30, whatever you said, 30, whatever youngness you are and me 40, whatever ridiculousness old I am. You love your hair. So right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I do. Yes. Especially if I lean forward, you can really see it there. If you're listening to this, which I would recommend instead of looking at us on video, uh, you know, uh, Jason doesn't quite have as much uh, up on top as, as I do. And I like to hold that over him. Get it over him? Anyway, bad jokes. You're going to get those a lot. Um, but the whole idea of disciple, right? Go and make disciples. Go and make learners. A disciple is a is a learning. And I and we, we teach. We've taught discipleship all over the place and in our district and, and and whatever. But but we never. We will never stop. I don't even think on 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 that side of heaven we will never stop learning about the character and nature of, of God. And my argument would be if we ever did stop, right? That would be the point where we are almost elevating ourselves up to the level of God, because He He is always, no matter how close we are to Him, and no matter how much access we have to who He is, right? In His very presence or Him filling us in, in where we are, right? There's always that much more for us to learn about who He is, what He's doing, and how that plays out to those around us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just thinking about discipleship and uh, one of the images I, I preached on this a couple of months ago that really struck me like a disciple is someone who, who sits down and like imitates his teacher, his or her teacher. If your teacher walks a certain way, you're going to walk that certain way, literally. And if it's going to, yeah. you're going to pray a certain way, you're going to pray that way. And so I think that's something for us to, to, to model with transparency saying that we're not always getting it right, but it's something for us to encourage our folks to as well. Right. So liturgy and, and mission completely interconnected that as we, as we learn about the character and nature of God, 
we begin to enact that character and nature through our own activities in our engagement with the rest of, of the world. Liturgy, mission, sacred, and small. Uh, so are, are we going to put this out there? Is there going to be like a limitation that churches of this size and over, you know, you're banned, you can't be a part of this? How's this going to work now? You know, no, because I mean, Little churches have been looking at big churches for a long time, and I'd be just as pleased if big churches looked to little churches for, for help and understanding. And and you know, like I feel like the the small group move small group movement um, is a reaction against being big, not against being big, but but finding a way to um, have all of the benefits of maybe a smaller gathering without losing all of the benefits of having a large gathering. And we've both been a part of large churches. Um, yeah. In fact, we both are in the, the small environments that we are in now coming out of larger environments. And yeah. I think that, that affects the way we look at these things. Yeah. And, and I'm, I think I'm almost, I think I'm, I'm gl- gladder, more glad. More glad, gladderness, glattery. I'm happy to be in a smaller context. Yeah. Uh, so I worked with a guy that, that um, and this may be off topic, I don't know, but he, he always would say, uh, you know, if we could just grow a little bit more, the then we could hire a staff person. Yeah. We could hire a staff person, and that staff person could take over the responsibilities of the things that I'm not particularly gifted to do. Right. Uh, the, the parts of God's mission that I don't want to do, the, yeah. the liturgy that I don't want to do, um, visiting people in the hospital or, you know, whatever. And I think what that does is that takes away from us, from our um, our responsibility then to train uh, our folks to participate in liturgy and mission. Right. And whereas in, in the small church, and this is where, this is where we, we say that a lot of the teaching, a lot that's out there on YouTube or some of these podcasts is coming from large church to small church. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a major, you know, loss of translation at some point. And I think a lot of this in regards to, to um, music and, and worship through song, that there's a certain set of equipment, there's a certain set of procedures, there's a certain set of uh, quality of performer that you have to have in order for you to be able to do even do these things. But in, <laughs> I don't know about you, in our context, uh, sorry, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're stuck with 30 yeah. year old sound systems and, uh, you know, a, a half blind piano player. And I literally did play with a mostly deaf guitar player for a while, you know, but that's we're- what we had, right? Or, or a second grade drummer who's learning. Yeah, on the he's learning, right? right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that's just, that lends to the, to the realness of it. Um, I think some of those things have become even more apparent as we've had to, to adapt technologically in the. Absolutely. Of- Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how much, how much money do I got to drop to make sure my, my live stream is watchable? Right. And how much time do I need to invest? Speaking of liturgy, how much of my time do I need to invest in, in getting our live stream or whatever we're doing on YouTube and Facebook and Spotify and TikTok? And I don't even know. I'm too old to know all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and, and then also how, how wearing that can be. And I think that's the thing. When we get so you know, into the practice of church and the practicals of church, and we neglect in many ways the sacredness of of the tasks that we're doing, um, it's pretty easy for us to get out of mission and into job. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I find that to be the point where I start to lose the life of what I'm doing with God. And, yeah. And, and it, it's, it ceases to be life-giving and ceases to be, or starts to be 
be draining. Right. I, I think, I think that part of that has to be us intentionally seeing some of those mundane tasks as part of the liturgy and mission. Like right. I, I've got to make this email newsletter and I don't want to do it. It's not life giving. I'd much rather be doing anything else, but, yeah. um, but it is part of the mission. And seeing those challenges that we have, like from, uh, you know, well, you mentioned a, a, a third grader who's learning the drums or a guitar player who's just learning or this or that. And we, and we won't focus just on, you know, the music part of, of ministry, although we're both involved in that and, and, and that's, that will come out in what we, what we do, but seeing those as opportunities for discipleship, seeing those yeah. as, as opportunities for, for an individual, however talented or not talented to, to express liturgically the character and nature of God and to respond to that. That's, that's, I don't know, that's powerful. That can yeah. be, that can be special, even if it doesn't fit with what we see on, you know, the radio or hear on the radio or see on, you know, the big YouTube channels. Well, it, it allows us to be people filled with grace and to give grace. Right. And it allows our congregation to also extend that same kind of grace. Right. And there um, we are. You know, I've, I have not heard uh, our, our drummer. He's been playing for maybe a year now, year and a half. I have not heard one complaint about, you know, when he loses time or uh, I mean, he's working so hard and, like that's an opportunity for him to, to feel like he's participating in, in the life of the church and for us to be like, okay, he doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. He's it's a, it's, it's worship. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and to be able to give and receive grace that way. Right. So you don't have to be a part of a small church uh, to be a part of this. We're not going to put any kind of limits on what a small church is or isn't in some ways that's kind of uh, your call, but we are going to try to engage this from, probably a 200 and under perspective. Yeah. Uh, and probably more often it'll be even less than that because 200s have a tendency to, to act and want to look bigger. Whereas fifties <laughs> churches are 50 and smaller. We've both been there. Um, you know, they don't have those, those options. And we won't be the only ones in here. A lot of times it'll just be the two of us, but we're hoping over the course of, you know, weeks to, to invite some other pastors and some other leaders to be a part of our conversations here. And we, we would like to ask you to be a part of it as well. So wherever you are today, if you're watching us on YouTube, then there's a comment section there. Or if you're listening on a podcast, you know, drop us a note, ask us some questions, say, Hey, I'd love to hear you guys talk about this. And, and, you know, we'll try to work it in. Um, This isn't going to be an every week thing. We're too, we're too busy uh, to do that, but we're kind of hoping maybe we can put an episode out every few weeks here through the, through the fall, uh, moving up towards our Advent season. And, and we got a, a number of topics we're going to try to, to cover between, between now and then. But Yeah, we're, we're going to try to stay uh, current, too, yeah. with what's happening in the world. So uh, talk about Advent far enough in advance before Advent. So it's not the yeah. first Sunday of Advent. And we're, we're talking about how to deal with, you know, Advent candle wreaths and not burning your church down. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Important part of it. Yeah. So you should be able to find us right here on YouTube, or if you're listening on the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or even Spotify, we're going to try to get this out there uh, on a uh, on a biweekly basis. If you liked it, hit the like button. If if you'd like to, and we would strongly encourage you to uh, subscribe to our channels and share this among your your friends and your family members and and all your other pastors out there, and uh, you know try to try to help this uh, conversation go beyond just two Jasons on two screens. 
And if your name is Jason, we'd especially love to hear from you. Yeah, we would. Let's really add as many Jasons as we can, yeah. make this as confusing as we possibly can make it. So, yeah. Sacred and Small, Conversations yeah. and Liturgy Mission. Um, Jason, it was great to be with you today. Good first, good first run, I think. I, I think so. Hey, are, are we going to have like a, a catchphrase at the beginning or at the end? Is there something we should say to, to go out? You know, I, I don't know. It just seems like everybody has something or is that just, that's just too corny or cheesy or. You know what? If, so, if something develops over time, I'm willing to embrace the cheesiness of that, but I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah. It's going to be organic. It's going to be, um, you know, impromptu, uh, an impromptu liturgy that we, we develop unless you have something if you do no, I, yeah. I don't yeah but go phillies I'm not. <laughs> oh yeah yeah well uh, <laughs> yeah well again thanks for joining us and uh we will see you in a few weeks and uh may the grace and peace of our lord be with you and also with you uh-huh. there we go. Maybe, that, maybe that's it maybe we just got it maybe yeah thanks for watching yeah